three verses I want to read, all of them from First or Second Timothy. First Timothy 1 and 18, it says, This charge I commit unto thee, son Timothy, according to the prophecies which went before on thee, that thou might, uh, that thou by them mightest war a good warfare, holding faith and a good conscience, which some having put away concerning faith have made shipwreck. So the apostle Paul says to his son in the gospel, Timothy, he says, I want you to war a good warfare and I want you to hold on to your faith and a good conscience because some have put away faith and have made shipwreck. A few pages further in 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 12, we see this theme again in this writing to the son in the gospel. He says to Timothy, fight the good fight of faith. So first of all, warfare is associated with faith. Now it's a fight associated with faith. Lay hold on eternal life whereunto thou art also called and hast professed a good profession before many witnesses. Fight the good fight of faith and lay hold on eternal life. And then in 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 7, perhaps some of the final words that the Apostle Paul speaks or writes to his son in the gospel concerning his life, he says, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. I held on to my faith. As I told you in 1 Timothy 1.18, I told you to hold your faith, and I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. And for a few moments today, I want to talk to you about the heart and soul of living for Jesus Christ, and that is the fight of faith, the fight of faith. If you want to live for God and be successful and make it all the way to the end, you have to learn to fight the good fight of faith. First of all, you have to recognize that it is a fight, and you have to be willing to engage in the good fight of faith. Let's pray together right now. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your goodness and mercy and blessings to us. Thank you for clear direction from your word about what it takes to be a success in living for you and what it takes to be an overcomer, what it takes to be victorious. And I pray today in the name of Jesus that you would anoint this vessel, Lord God, to deliver your anointed word to the ears of the hearers in such a way that they would be challenged and encouraged and changed. And finally, we ask, Lord God, that you would confirm your word in this house with signs following. As you promised, these signs shall follow them that believe in my name. Praise God. Shall they cast out evil spirits? Shall they speak with new tongues? Shall they lay hands on sick folk? And they shall recover. In the name of Jesus Christ today. We pray for your power and your anointing and your deliverance and your breakthrough in the house. Praise God. Anybody feel aggressive faith in your spirit? Put your hands together. Praise Jesus with me right now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. God bless you and you may be seated. While you're being seated, I want to remind you that not this coming week, but the next week, we'll be kicking off the school year with a youth week, youth revival. We'll have a, a special service in a special location, not this Thursday, but next Thursday night with special guest Brandon Miraflor, and then he'll be with us on that Sunday as well. So we're excited about what's going to happen in our youth ministry. The good fight of faith, the fight of faith. I want to remind you today that we are engaged in warfare, and God has commissioned clearly to us from the word of God the need to protect our faith. In 1 Timothy 1 and verse 18, the first verse that we read, he compared, uh, he compared our walk with God, our relationship with God, and our faith to a ship. He said when some have put away their faith, they have been made Shipwreck, And I think this is an excellent analogy because when we are living for God, we're not in this world anymore, but we're passing through. And so the ship, just like Noah's Ark, is protecting us from the thing that would destroy us if it would be allowed to enter the ship. 
and that is this world with its philosophies, its ideas, and its concepts. This world, if it is allowed to come into your faith, will destroy your faith because faith is opposite of the philosophy of this world. You guys living in the same world I'm living in? You understand that this world is not built on the concept of believing and trusting God. It's built on the concept of trusting one's own self. So the ship is the very thing that is taking a person from one destination to another destination. And our faith is what is taking us from that moment of belief to heaven itself. But the Bible says that some people have become shipwrecked because the world was allowed to come into their ship the very thing that they were being protected from. And you can only stay afloat by keeping out the very thing that you're maneuvering over this world in doubt and unbelief. Praise God. So today I want to talk to you about something that's as old as the hills, something that goes all the way back to the beginning of time, and that is conflict. Conflict, warfare, battle. As long as there has been at least two humans on the planet, there has been conflict. Can I get an amen? And those of you that have children know that as soon as the second child was born, you introduced conflict into the kids' room. Because whenever there are two people, you're going to see evidences of conflict, whether it was conflict between Adam and Eve, conflict between Cain and Abel, Conflicts in the Bible, David and Goliath, the Israelites, the Philistines, I could go on and on and on. So conflict, there is a conflict that manifests itself in fist fights. We were uh, um, witnesses to the aftermath of a fist fight this week in a hotel lobby. And two people got in a fight with another person had never met before in their life. But they were throwing fists at one another. And uh, then whenever... Uh, there is warfare, you see, on a grander scale that one side is trying to dominate and defeat the other side. It's always about a conflict of will and who is going to get their way and who is going to come out on top. Now, what they've done is they've taken hand-to-hand combat and they've brought it to the world of sport. We just recently finished the Olympics, and uh, in the Olympics there is wrestling. In the Olympics there is boxing. And these are where two men or ladies will engage in hand-to-hand combat to see which one will dominate and defeat the other one. Probably one of the most popular sports in the world in 2012 is MMA, which is mixed martial arts, where pretty much all the rules, if you would, are thrown out the window. Uh, I think you can't pull hair and you can't poke eyes out. But other than that, you can do whatever you want to. And uh, so these different... Uh, Martial artists get into the ring and combat with one another until one person is defeated at the end of the match based on the number of blows and strikes or the other person taps out and says, I'm about to get my arm broken or I can't fight anymore. The battle is over. And so in these fights or conflicts, hand-to-hand combat, it's a mixture of, uh, in order to be victorious, it's a mixture of strength and toughness and skills, and stamina, and determination to decide which one is going to win this fight. Now, the Apostle Paul, in the Word of God, uses these sporting analogies to describe our walk with God. One example is in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24, the letter that Paul wrote to Corinth. He said, Know ye not that they which run in a race run all, but only one receiveth the prize. So I want you to run that ye may obtain. And every man that striveth for the mastery, wants to come out on top, is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown. They're just doing it for a trophy or a plaque or a crown. But we are fighting for an incorruptible, eternal trophy and crown. I therefore so run. Not as uncertainly, but I know what I'm running for. So fight I, not as one that beateth the air. 
So the Apostle Paul says, in living for God, you must understand that you've got to have that same determination as the Olympic swimmer who spends hours in the pool and says, I want to win the gold medal. The person who works and hones their craft and makes sure that they're disciplined in what they eat and physically fit and prepared to engage in battle so that they would win. Conflict, competition. In the kingdom of God, we find ourselves in conflict. It's light against darkness. If you don't believe this, you don't believe the Bible. It's angels versus demons. It's faith versus unbelief. It's spiritual versus carnal. It's truth versus false teaching. All through the word of God, you recognize that living for God is not about hopping on a cruise ship and going to the buffet and getting fat and hanging out in the sun and enjoying all the pleasures of the cruise ship. But when you get into this thing called the kingdom of God, you have stepped onto a battleship against the forces of evil, against the forces of Satan, and you end Individually, and we as a church are engaged in warfare. And we wrestle against spiritual wickedness in high places. Living for God is not a cakewalk. It's war against spiritual darkness. But I've got good news. The apostle Paul promised us. He said, I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. Sometimes we forget that we're in a battle and we get comfortable in this world. We have to remember this world is not my home. I'm just passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere else. Seems like the old timers in the church knew this better than what we do. Seems like we've fallen in love with the world that we live in and we forget that we are put here to make a difference in this world and God has not called us to get comfortable in this world and fall in love with this world with its system and its way of thinking. That's a good way to end up shipwrecked. But you've got to use your faith and hold on to your faith and say I'm keeping the world out. I'm keeping its ideas and philosophy and concepts out of my life because I want to be victorious. So Pastor Brown is saying today, wake up. This is a battle for you. This is a battle for your soul. This is a battle for your family. This is a battle for your city. We are engaged. Fighting the fight of faith. Amos 6.1 says this, woe to you who are complacent in Zion and to you who feel secure on Mount Samaria. Woe unto you. If you say, I'm in the church so I can relax, Uh, I'm saved so I can just chill, woe unto you, it's time to wake up, don't be asleep in Zion, don't forget that we are in a battle, don't lose sight of the goals and fail to recognize the enemy's tactics. The enemy that we have never seen in the flesh referred to in scripture as Lucifer or Satan or Beelzebub or the devil or the prince of darkness, the prince of the power of the air. We know from the Bible that he was cast out of heaven with one-third of the angels who rose in rebellion against God. Rebellion, the first sin, where Lucifer said, I will become like God, I will exalt myself, I will And he was able to secure one-third of the angels in his rebellion. And he was cast out of heaven. The Bible says, I saw Satan fall like lightning. And when he fell from heaven, he was perverted with rebellion and he had an agenda. Satan, who the Bible also refers to as the God with a little g, the God of this world, his desire, his goal, and he is a success in this area that is controlling and influencing the majority of humanity. Hundreds of millions of people have no faith in God and hundreds of millions of people are living according to the course of this world and doing what is right in their own eyes. But I want you to understand today that Satan is not focused on the hundreds of millions that are doing his bidding. Our fiend is not focused on those in his control but the object of his obsession are those who will not drink his brew will not smoke his weed and will not worship his gods (laughs) 
When you said, I'm going to live for God, you got a target on your back. The object of Satan's obsession are those who are committed to service and worship of Jesus Christ. And I promise you that Satan abhors worshipers. Amen. Can I say that again? Satan abhors worshipers. That's why I like to just really get up in his face when I worship God. I'm not doing it for him. I'm doing it for the Lord. I'm doing it because the joy of the Lord is my strength. But on a side note, while I'm praising the Lord, while I'm worshiping God, I, I, I am just putting it in the face of the devil. Say, look, you got all those people out there that slept in today. You got all those people that the most important thing they could do today was wake up and watch a game. And you got all these people all over that they're just living their life day to day. But guess what? Here's one that said, I'm getting my carcass out of bed and I'm going to get in my car. I'm going to get my kids ready. I'm coming to the house of the Lord because I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. And when I worship Jesus, when I wave my hands, when I do my dance, I'm not doing it for you to see. I'm doing it for my Savior. And I'm letting the enemy know, here's one you ain't got. Praise God. I thank God today that I'm not doing the devil's dance. I'm not playing the devil's games. And I'm not falling prey to what he would try to do to destroy my relationship with God and wreck my family. The Bible says the devil cometh to steal kill and to destroy he's a one entity wrecking crew and he's got people helping him but greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world church of the living God I want you to be encouraged today that by faith in Jesus Christ there is no weapon formed against you that will prosper hallelujah and there is nothing that can stop the church of the living God hallelujah amen I feel the Holy Ghost here right now I feel the Holy Ghost here. So Satan is coming against anyone who is drawing close to God and anyone who is growing in grace. I want to share with you a couple of other games that I learned growing up to simulate conflict, to simulate battle and warfare. One of them was a game that my father taught me, and we would play this game against one another in the evenings pleasant memories with my dad, we would play chess together. And he taught me how each of the characters or the figures on the board, whether they be a pawn, a rook, a knight, the queen, the king, all the various characters on the chessboard, how far they could move and what it required to take out the other men and different strategies that would be used to try to eliminate the enemy's pawns. It's basically two Armies arrayed against one another on a checkerboard. But one thing that I learned awful quick is that you can lose a rook, you can lose a knight, you can lose two or three pawns, and you can still win the chess game. But one thing that you cannot lose is the king. Because the moment the king is in peril, your opponent has to say, check. And you have to protect or move the king or the game's over. You learn really quick that the object of the game is to get the other person's king and to protect your king. There are different strategies. There are different tactics. I remember hearing about the, uh, one particular offensive strategy and then the French defense to try to defend against it to protect your king, all these different strategies. I'm going to try to take out all the pawns and I'm going after the rooks and the knights. All these different strategies and tactics, but only one objective. And the objective is I'm going to get the king. Another game that I remember playing, one of the most exciting games that I ever played was when I was a Boy Scout. And we went camping deep in the woods and our, our troop was divided into two. One half of us were on one side one half of us were on the other, and it was dark outside. And we played something called capture the flag. Anybody heard of this before? On one end of the camp and between, there was a kind of a deep ravine and a creek and lots of trees, was one team's flag. On the other side was the other team's flag. It was dark. 
couldn't see one another. People dressed in black. The start uh, sound was given. We ran across, and there was one simple objective. The goal was to get the other person's flag and to bring it back to your base before they could get your flag and take it back to their base. The thing I loved about this game is there was like no rules. If somebody had your flag, you could just knock them over and grab the flag away from them, take it back. But we learned real quick that if you're on the defensive side, the only thing you've got to do is to protect the flag because you know that your adversary has one thing in mind, and that is to get your flag from you and take it away from you. I want to make it clear today to those of you that are listening Everything that the devil used in terms of strategies and tactics may be different. may be different for every individual. It may be for some people, it may be something that happens in your life that you don't understand. For some people, it may be questions in your mind. For some people, it may be difficulty that you go through. For some people, it may be the loss of something precious to you. For some people, it may be seeing and observing hypocrisy in leadership. There's a lot of different strategies that the devil will use to try to discourage and destroy you. But keep this one thing clear. He's after one thing. He doesn't care how many pawns he knocks off or how many rooks or knights get knocked off in your life. He is after the king. Amen. He's after the flag. And if you want to know what that one thing that the devil is after is today, it is your faith in God. And see, when you don't understand this, you're just out there beating the wind, like the apostle Paul said. You're fighting adversaries that don't exist. You're stressed out about things that don't matter. You're worried about issues. The devil tries to use that against you because he knows that if he can get your faith, he's got you. That's why the apostle Paul said, I pray for you that your faith fail not. So the, Bible, the apostle Paul said to Timothy, I want you to hold on to your faith. You've got to keep your faith. Above all else, you can't afford to lose your faith. Satan is after your faith, Timothy. Hold on and keep your faith. Here's how you finish the course. You don't finish the course by being the fastest, and you don't finish the course by being the slickest or the most impressive, but you finish the course by keeping the faith. Amen? Faith speaks of believing trusting and having confidence in God. Jesus said things like, O ye of little faith. Another time to another person, he said, great is your faith. Somebody was described as having no faith. Why have you no faith? Stephen and Barnabas in the book of Acts were described as being full of faith. This lets me know that the ability to believe and trust God is a measurable commodity. You can be losing faith, you can be low on faith, you can be full of faith, and you can have no faith. I don't know where that container is in this human body. I believe it's in my mind. But the reality is my success in living for God, my success at tapping into the resources of God is about having faith. In fact, it's about being full of faith. And I want to tell you today that a church that is made up of people that know how to trust and believe God is a church that the enemy cannot stop. So whatever happens in your life, remember this, he's after your faith. Whatever mistakes you make, remember this, Satan at the end of the day is after my faith. He really doesn't care how many times I fall, how many mistakes I make. He really doesn't care how difficult it gets for me. All he wants is my ability to believe and to trust in God. And I'm telling you here today that there is conflict happening in the spirit realm. And the devil wants to steal from members of the body of Christ the ability to believe that God is a healer. Just like the Bible said that he is a healer. That God is a deliverer. Listen to me somebody. That God can still set people free that are bound up by addictions and are bound up by lifestyles that are wrecking havoc in them. I feel the preach on me today because God is able. 
here's what the fight's about. The devil doesn't want you to believe anymore because of the circumstances, because of what happened, because of an unanswered prayer, because of a seeming inconsistency. He wants to steal from you your faith. He doesn't mind if your body shows up in the building. If he's got your faith, he's got what he wants. Come on, somebody. He doesn't mind if you still parrot and speak this, the right things. He wants your faith. And I want to hear today to tell you, God's put me here to sound a clarion call to those under the sound of my voice today. you got to believe that God is able, that God can meet your financial needs, that God can take care of you, that God is going to take you all the way. The fight is for your faith. Hallelujah. Somebody look at somebody and say, God is able. Now I want you to say it in faith. God can do it. I want you to turn to somebody else and say, with God, all things are possible. I want you to look at somebody else and say, without faith, it's impossible to please God. In Luke chapter 22, Jesus spoke to Peter, said, a test is coming to your life, but I am praying for you. Wow, that's awesome to think that Jesus was praying for Peter. Jesus prayed for something? Think about this right now. Jesus can do all things. He can say, peace be still. <laughs> the winds and the waves start. Stop. He can say, receive your sight. According to your faith, be it unto you. Miracles. But with the area of Peter's faith, he said, I'm not going to step in and make this happen. You're a free moral agent, but I'm praying for you that through the test, your faith fails not. It says, the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you, that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for thee that thy faith fail not and when thou art converted in other words when you come through the test and the trial then ye shall strengthen thy brethren i'm praying for you that through the battle through the stress through the trial that your faith will not fail fight the good fight of faith lay hold on eternal life you've been called unto it and you got a great profession amongst many witnesses Satan has strategies, but he only has one goal. He loves to destroy marriages. He loves to send afflictions and discouragement, etc. But that's not his goal. His goal is to steal your faith. Let me just talk about this for a second because it's not just an individual strategy, but it's a corporate strategy. It's a worldwide strategy. From the very beginning until 2012, the enemy's goal is to destroy people's confidence in the word of God, the B-I-B-L-E. Before they had a B-I-B-L-E in leather, it was simply a word from God directly delivered to Adam, Adam delivering it to his wife. Satan questioned her in his temptation, saying, hath God said? Let me make it plain to you, brothers and sisters. The devil's goal in our culture and in every culture is to insert a question mark into people's minds regarding the veracity and the truth and the reality of the word of God. Is this Bible true? Is it worth obeying and submitting my life to? Did God really say? Does God really care? And I promise you right now, let me just make this statement right now. The homosexual agenda in the world in 2012 is not just about gay rights. Listen to me. It's about undermining the authority of the word of God. It's the keen cutting edge of this idea of trying to destroy 
people's confidence in the word of God because if you lose your confidence in trust in the word of God a big hole has come in your ship and the world's philosophies and ideas are pouring in and you're releasing your faith in God that's why I want to tell you that you've got to hold fast to the word of God hold fast to your confidence in the word of God and when questions come and when people challenge it amen there's got to be something in your spirit that says even though it's not popular anymore even though it's not mainstream anymore to be a Bible believer I still believe in the word of God I still embrace the reality of the truth of scripture I mean in, in a scientific world you see all you do is do a little bit of study and you realize their whole objective is to prove that the Bible's not true am I not telling the truth am I, am I, am I, this is real what is it it's an effort to take faith away from a culture of people that once were faith-filled people where the church was at the town center. It's the way it was in Europe. In Europe, you can take a train and go from city to city, and you'll find as you come into the outskirts toward the middle of the city, once you get to the middle of the city, there's a massive cathedral there because back in the day, Christianity and faith in those communities were the center of their life. Today, those churches are nothing but a museum. Nobody goes to them anymore. Why? Because there's been a shipwreck of faith on a grand scale in Europe. And I want to tell you the same thing's happening in the United States of America. It's about stealing the faith from the people. Satan has an objective and a goal, but there's got to be some people who go against the tide and say, even though the world's trying to pour in on me, I refuse to think like this world. I refuse to be conformed to its philosophy and mindset. I still believe in God. I still believe in the word of God. It didn't all of a sudden become irrelevant. It didn't all of a sudden become false. It didn't all of a sudden become a fairy tale. In the United States, it's a Christian culture on the verge of collapse. The United States is a post-Christian nation, post-modern, post-Christian nation. Why? Because, because so many people and entities have become shipwrecked, not holding on to their faith. And I want to challenge you today that in 2012, it's more of a stiff competition and it's more of an aggressive fight right now than it was 20 or 30 years ago. But there's some spirit-filled, godly people in the house that God said, you've been put in the kingdom for such a time as this. I know your tenacity. I know your discipline. I know the fire I put in your spirit. It doesn't matter what this world says. It doesn't matter what philosophy says. You're going to fight to hold on to your faith God spoke through his word God spoke through his messengers and so in order to destroy the power of the word it's like let's undermine the word let's undermine the messenger that's another thing that I've noticed that's happened in our culture is that pastors, spiritual leaders, men of God have lost tons of respect in the public square. Why? Because of very public, visible, obvious failures on the part of very public ministries that have caused many in the public to believe. Pastors, spiritual leaders, evangelists, they're all about money, fattening their pocketbook. They're all about manipulating people for a purpose. It's brought a great deal of cynicism into the world today because Satan understands this. If I can get people to quit believing the word of God and the messenger of God, then I have cut, amen, I have severed the ability for them to have faith and confidence in God. And there's got to be something in our spirit that says, you know what, I know nobody's perfect, but God uses men. God uses his word to speak to me, and I refuse. I refuse to become shipwrecked. I refuse to let my ship be filled with the philosophy and the theories of this world. Praise God, I'm going to hold on to my faith. The line in the sand is this, for a child of God, this is what you don't mess with, devil. I'm holding on to my faith. I'm holding on to the traditions, the 
teachings of the apostles. I'm holding on with confidence to what I have been taught and what has been deposited into my spirit. Praise God. See, here's a problem sometimes. John chapter 9, 1, it says, As Jesus passed by, he saw a man which was blind from birth. Disciples said, Master, who did the sin, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Why is he blind? Jesus answered, Neither. Hath this man sinned nor his parents, but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. See, sometimes it gets frustrating when we try to figure out why certain things happen. Are you guys with me? Why did this happen? Because what I've learned in life in my short 40 years on this planet is that sometimes things that look like a curse or something that looks very unfortunate can end up being a blessing. Anybody else seen that happen in your life before? And sometimes the very things that look like a blessing end up hindering us spiritually and become a curse to us. So I think it's best for us to quit trying to figure it all out. Amen? It's frustrating. And focus on this one thing. I've got to finish my course, and I have got to keep the faith. Job says, the Lord giveth, the Lord takes away. I can't understand it all, but blessed be the name of the Lord. Through all the trial, through all the questions, through all the certainty, I'm going to hold on to my faith. The battle happens in your mind. That's why last week we talked about worry versus worship. Because you've got to have a victorious overcoming mindset. If you have that, you're going to have victory. Faith happens in your head. Faith happens between your ears. That's why the Bible says, gird up the loins of your mind and cast down imagination and bring, bring into captivity every thought to the obedience of Jesus Christ. Amen? That's an act of will. Cast down imagination. When my imagination starts to go wild, and I begin to imagine things. i got to cast it down. And I've got to bring thoughts into captivity to obedience to Christ. So when my thoughts start going down a pathway that's contrary to the word of God, I've got to rein it in, baby. Cast down imagination. Amen. I've got to select what I think about. I've got to think about which things are good and pure and of a good report. You know why? Because I'm fighting for my faith here. It's a battle to hold on to my faith. And when you miss that point, you missed it all. When you miss that point, you're oblivious. Amen. It's all about the flag. It's all about the king. It's all about your faith. Amen. And uh, those that are trying to seek God, the devil wants to convince you, well, you've made mistakes. You can't live for God. You can't be a witness because of your past failures. You can't be a worshiper. You can't receive the Holy Ghost. You're not good enough. You've made two many mistakes. Let me tell you, you know, you know why you don't feel worthy? Because Satan's agenda is he knows that the opposite is true, that God is going to fill you, that God is going to deliver you, that God is going to use you for his kingdom's sake. The enemy is the discourager, the deceiver, the destroyer, the divider, the divisor. If you're fighting the good fight, you can expect an attack of the enemy. The word that I want to share with you is discouragement. Discouragement. Discouragement is used to try to destroy your faith. The root word of discouragement is courage. And it takes courage to live for God. And the enemy wants to steal your courage through discouragement. Satan understands if I can discourage them, there's nothing left in them to fight me. And Satan's discouragement comes oftentimes through twisting the facts. Well, you got to understand. Just like, um, I don't know if you know this or not, but a lot of times if you watch a television show or a movie, it's not real. Anybody been to Universal Studios? Oh, it looks like a building, but it's not even a building. It looks like a house, but it's just pieces of wood propped up behind. It looks like a spaceship, but it's only this big. Appearances can be deceiving. Satan is a master at making things appear a certain way to you. After all, he works for Hollywood, at least in my opinion. But the courage of a true believer is what Satan wants to steal. 
And discouragement is twisting of facts, misrepresenting evidence, manipulation of, of visuals. Satan is a bluffer. Amen? He's got a poker face. But the Bible says, greater is he that's in me. No weapon formed against me will prosper. Look at Calvary. Calvary looks like a great victory for Satan, doesn't it? The miracle worker, the healer, is hanging from a tree with blood pouring out of his body. But it's not a victory for Satan. It's a victory for Jesus Christ and for those that need salvation. I want to encourage you not to just accept negativity. It's not as it appears. Listen to the pastor right now. Jacob looks out of the tent and sees his boys coming with his precious son Joseph's coat. It's torn and has blood all over it. Surely my son has been torn by a wild beast. Jacob, don't accept negativity. It's not what it appears. Elijah receives a word from Jezebel and he goes and sits in a cave and says, I am left alone and they seek my life, never knowing that there are thousands who have never bowed a knee to Baal. It's not as it appears. But Satan does want you discouraged. He's a master of manipulation of facts. So you've got to guard your courage and your morale. Don't let anybody take it away from you. Listen, it's impossible to remain discouraged without thinking discouraging thoughts. You guys still with me? So quit focusing on problems. Quit focusing on negative things. Why? Because you're fighting for your faith. Tough times come to all people. Realize Satan is after your mind and your courage. It's also important to watch your mouth. Speak positive things. There's a verse of scripture, Psalms 141 and 3. This is my prayer sometimes. Maybe it should be yours. It says, set a watch, O Lord, before my mouth. Keep the doors of my lips. Protect the words that I say. There's power in your words for good or for bad. Every day you get what you say. Negative thoughts and negative words will keep you defeated. I'm telling you this today because you're supposed to be fighting for your faith. <clears throat> when you speak discouraging things like nothing good ever happens to me, I'll never be successful. I don't have what it takes. I'm not going to get better. I'll never get out of this mess. Negative speaking, your own words are paving the way for your future. Amen? Because our lives move in the direction of our words. James 3, 4, and 5. The tongue is compared to the rudder of a ship. Anybody seen that before in James 3? So my tongue controls the direction of my life. Even though the tongue is a small member, it determines the direction that this ship is going in. So you don't think your mouth could lead you or keep you away from shipwreck? What you say and what you don't say will either keep your faith intact or help to destroy your faith. You, you create environments for good or for evil with your Words. Put your hands together if you believe what I'm saying. <laughs> but in closing, the final thing I want to say today is obviously the Bible makes it clear we're to avoid negative talk. The Bible repeatedly warns against murmuring, grumbling, and complaining. We're not supposed to talk about our problems. We're supposed to talk about the solution. But avoiding negative talk is not enough you can't just stay in a protection mode of your faith but you've got to go aggressively on the offense I read this morning on AOL my the, everybody teases me that I'm in the dark ages because my email address is still in AOL but I'm consistent I've had it for like 15 years 18 years so I get on AOL every day just to check the news. Anybody do that? Maybe Fox News or CNN. You just type it in and say, what's the latest thing happening? And so I looked at the headlines, and then I scrolled down the bottom of the page to an area called Weird News. Weird News. I don't know why I'm so interested in Weird News. But this was the headline I saw in there this morning, and I thought, that's funny. 
I have to click on that. It said, snake bites man. Man bites snake back, and gone is the snake. Let me read that headline again. <laughs> this is funny. Snake bites man, man bites snake back, and gone is the snake. So I clicked on it. There was a farmer named Mohammed Salmudin in Nepal this week who exacted revenge on a cobra by biting the snake back after the snake bit him and killing the snake. He was working in a rice paddy field, and uh, he came upon the snake. And he said that a snake charmer told him that if a snake bites you, you bite it back until it's dead, and nothing will happen to you. (laughs) Kind of funny. But I realized that the enemy's objective to kill, steal, and destroy, that we can fight back against the enemy. We don't have to just cower and protect and watch out, but we can bite the snake back. Jesus said, have faith in God. For verily I say unto you, that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea, shall and shall not doubt in his heart, shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to ma- pass. He shall have whatsoever he saith. You don't just have to avoid negative words, but you can bite the snake back by speaking positive, faith-filled words. Therefore I say unto you, what things soever ye desire when ye pray, believe that ye shall receive them and ye shall have them. When you have faith, you can go on the offensive. When you have faith, you can fight back. When you have faith, you can speak to the mountain. Yeah, you can talk yourself out of a miracle, but you can also talk your way into a miracle by speaking faith, by professing and confessing the words of God. Romans 10 says this, verse 8, but what saith it? The word is nigh thee, it's close to you, even in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach, that if thou wilt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. The word of faith is in your mouth. And we preached it before. There's a miracle in your mouth if you'll learn to speak faith instead of professing and confessing negativity. Man, I feel aggressive today in the Holy Ghost. I wonder if somebody would get a hold of this spirit. The Bible says faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You've been discouraged long enough. You've been singing your sad song long enough. It's time for somebody to stand up and to claim the promises of the word. Listen to me. You're not going to get worse. That sickness is not going to kill you. You're not going to be in despair. You're not going into bankruptcy. Listen to me right now. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. You're not going to be begging for bread. Somebody hear the word of God right now. There's a promise coming your way. There's victory coming your way. There's deliverance coming your way. Listen to the preacher right now. I'm speaking faith into your life. There's a healing for you. There is a miracle for you. Jesus took stripes on his back so you wouldn't have to be sick today. Remember the body of Jesus that was beaten for you and claim the promises of heaven. You're not going to end up in prison. Come on, somebody. You're not going to end up ending your life by drug addiction. You're not going to be a meth addict till your grave. Somebody listen to the preacher right now. There's victory and deliverance and healing in this place. But somebody's got to get a hold of it and say, I'm going to speak faith. I'm going to speak with confidence the promises of the word of God.
Let's stand our feet and praise Jesus right now. I feel the Holy Ghost moving right now. God wants to encourage somebody. Come on, let the Holy Ghost flow in this place right now. I feel the Spirit of God. Hey, guess what? Those of you that heard Brother Huntley preach Friday night, I'm not going to say we're going to have revival. I'm going to say we're having revival right now. I'm saying people can get the Holy Ghost here today. Somebody can be healed and delivered in this house today. I feel like God spoke to me yesterday. Come here, my brother. My brother's had several episodes with his heart, several heart attacks, and then in the last few weeks, he's lost how much? 25 pounds, not because he's wanting to, it's just happening. He doesn't know what's taking place. The Spirit of the Lord spoke to me last night and said, you believe I'm a healer? I believe God's a healer. I believe God is a miracle work. Anybody else believe that with me right now? In the name of Jesus. My brother, I want you to claim the promise of God right now. There is complete overhaul and healing coming to this physical body to work for the Lord Jesus Christ. In the name of the Lord Jesus, I pray that you would deliver and strengthen and heal by faith in the name of the Lord. You're not going to get worse. You're going to get better. Hallelujah. Strength is coming to your body. Healing and deliverance. Hallelujah, Jesus. Brother Donnie, come here. Listen to me. It's not God's will that your business struggle. It's not God's will that you financially struggle. I want you to speak faith this week in the name of the Lord. I pray in the name of the Lord. I pray a blessing on this business. I play provision, Lord God, and open doors. He's going to honor you with his commitments, Lord Jesus, and you're going to favor him in the name of the Lord. Anybody believe me right, with me right now? Speak faith in the name of Jesus. God is able. Yeah. Nothing is impossible with my God. Yeah. Somebody, you quit believing. It's time for you to start believing again. It's time for you to start claiming promises again. It's time for you to start believing for your lost loved ones. It's time for you to start believing that God is going to meet your need. Let's gather in right now because I feel the Holy Ghost moving in this place. I feel miracle power about to be unleashed in this house. on up, here it comes. Praise God. Amen. There's somebody here, you've been struggling with your faith. Not that you're having question whether God exists or not, but you, you have been having trouble believing God because of circumstances and things that happen. I want you to come up to the front right now, right here, because God's getting ready to give a fresh baptism of confidence and faith. Come on, if somebody wants a fresh baptism of faith, fresh baptism of the Holy Ghost, something's getting ready to break in this house. Come on, that's it. You're courageous right now. In the name of the Lord, you're saying, Jesus, I want right now a fresh baptism. If there's somebody, you need a miracle in your family. You need deliverance. You need help. You've got things you're dealing with that are too big for you. And you're finally recognizing, I need God to step in because I can't handle this on my own. Come up right now in Jesus' name because God's spirit is getting ready to fall in this house. God's spirit is getting ready to fall with encouragement and hope. Here's what the Bible says. The Bible says 
In so many words it says, build up on your holy faith by praying in the Holy Ghost. There's two types of prayer. There's praying with understanding and there's praying in the Spirit. Praying in the Spirit is when you stop praying about what you're thinking about and you begin to let the Spirit flow through you. That's when you begin to speak in another language as the Spirit gives you the utterance. Something happens. The Bible says you edify yourself when you speak in an unknown tongue. You build up your faith when you pray in the Holy Ghost. And I'm going to pray right now in Jesus' name that the Holy Ghost would fall in this place. I want you to worship the Lord Jesus and I want you to let your tongue go and begin to pray in the Holy Spirit. Some of you may never have before, but today's a perfect day for you to pray in the Holy Spirit and receive the Holy Ghost. Lift up your hands right now. I need some Holy Ghost filled people. Come help me pray with these right now. Come on, your tank's getting filled up right now. I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe. Great and mighty is my God. My Savior is able. He's powerful. He's my Redeemer.
right now. I want you to pray with one another. Find somebody and pray with them. Hey, there's another believer. There's somebody else that believes with me right now. <laughs> We're agreeing together. We're believing together. Hola la 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 bo, roshata la carisa la la bo, roshandai.